You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, as we just talk a little bit about church structure today, we pray that your hand of blessing would be with us, that you would be drawing close to us, and that you would open our hearts and our minds to your truth. We praise you and we thank you. And we ask your blessing, Lord. We ask your Holy Spirit to attend us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what I want to share with you here comes literally right out of the church manual. Chapter 10 of Services and Other Meetings, the work of the board. Now, I kind of have a mix of the 2010 and the 2015 church manual. I like some of the wording of the 2010 better. It says the same stuff, just a little bit different way. Uh, but you're going to see this. And so, how many of you have ever read the church manual? All the way through, cover to cover. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't mean like a page when you need a reference or a paragraph, but you've read the whole... I want to encourage you. Everybody, everybody needs to. Every it's actually, a, it's, you would think that it's like super boring, but it's actually quite interesting. Because you know how, how many of you have been, uh, you know, you do, your church does something a certain way and you're like, man, I just, it just irritates me. I just don't understand why we have to do things this way. How many of you had that? And you get frustrated. And then you read the church man and you're like, oh, that makes sense, right? And so it explains a lot of things. And the church manual is actually a soul winning tool. You know why? When I was a pastor, I would have in the church bulletin every month, a recommended pastor's recommended book of the month. So I just put a book in there that I had read and I thought was interesting that would help people. I put the church manual in there. Well, there was a lady attending our church who was not an Adventist, and uh, she, we would try to approach her about Bible study. She's like, no, no, I'm not interested. I'll let you know if I'm ever ready. But she'd come to church every week. And when I put in there, the church manual, that was back when, before the ABC closed, she drove down to the ABC the next week and bought the church manual. And she read it from cover to cover. Now, how many of you feel ashamed of yourselves? <laughs> right? So she read the book from cover to cover. And she came back to me, and she, she by profession, is an engineer. So, you know, this is like, you know, this is mechanical, this is technical. And she comes back and she says, Pastor, I want to be baptized now. I said, what? I said, well, what made you change your mind? You wouldn't even say yes to Bible studies two weeks ago. She said, I read the church manual. And she said, if, if, uh, if this is how our church operates, she says that it's so biblical, it's so clear, it's so professional, so you know, organized that I want to be a part of that kind of church. It just appealed to her engineering mind. But I, and I said, but we need to do Bible studies. And she said, no, no, all the beliefs are in the manual, which they are. And so she read through all the beliefs and she said, I looked that up from the Bible and I believe those things. I want to be baptized. So the church manual led to a baptism of a sister in the church. And then she married another guy that I also baptized and now they're leading ministry together. Both leaders in the church, they're Lansing. So the church manual is an outstanding book. I urge you to read it. It's there for a purpose and it'll help you understand the structure and organization of the church. But I want you to notice this uh, on page 129, speaking about church boards. It says this, 
Every church must have a functioning board whose members have been elected during a church business meeting. So it's kind of like our government. You know, the people that go to Washington, D.C., they are not elected as rulers over us. They are elected as representatives over us, right? Or for us, I should say. And they are essentially to do... that. that basically, the idea is that we have elected them because we've entrusted them to represent our values and our beliefs in Congress. That's why we have state. Same thing with the church board. The church board is made up of leaders who are elected by the larger body to represent the church and to make leadership decisions, right? So that's what the board is. And notice this. Its chief concern is to make sure the treasurer's report is properly read each month. Yes, that's me. Right? We have a treasurer right here. Now, I'll step on someone's toes and you can forgive me later. But its chief concern is to make sure the school is operating properly. Now, I'm not against church schools. But most church schools have a church school board. But somehow, sometimes, our church boards are wrapped up in the school as if that's the only ministry of the church. I'm not saying the school, schools are good. Its chief concern is having an active discipleship plan in place. What does that mean? What does that mean? To make sure that we hand the discipleship handbook to every new baptized member and say, here you go. Is that what it means? No? Does it mean making sure that we are, are um, nurturing new members? All members, yes. You know, we've come to a place with baptized members, newly baptized members, that we feel like we need to nurture and cater and coddle them so much that it's almost like we, we almost kind of try to keep them babies. You know what I mean? But what a true discipleship plan is, is it's having established leaders in the church who are training and equipping others in the church to become leaders themselves. It is, it is mentoring those new believers, but it's training them to be active and involved and then ultimately to develop into leaders not just to take a newly baptized person and mentor them in Christian life and devotional life and all those things and help them to become mature Christians, but to become leaders. But not just for them to become leaders, but for them to begin then ultimately training and mentoring more leaders. That's the full circle of discipleship. Right? It's not just growing people into maturity as Christians. It's, it's, it's leading them to become leaders. Even if they don't have an office in the church, they can still be leaders, can't they? And then have them equip and train other leaders. That's what true discipleship is. Secondly, which includes both the spiritual nurture of the church and the work of planning and fostering what? Evangelism. So how can we develop and grow leaders in our church? And how can we reach our community outside of the church? Those are the two primary functions of the board. Now that being said, how much time do you suppose we ought to spend in our board meetings 
discussing those things. Where on the church board agenda do you suppose these topics ought to be? Where are they often, if at all? And how much time do we spend on them? Why? Because what happens to agenda items on the bottom of the agenda? Everybody's ready to go home because they've argued and fought over the treasurer's report. Right, Sal? Hopefully not, but it happens. Now, how many of you are convicted already? Who knew the church manual could bring conviction to our hearts? Amen? It's a book of men, but it's a book of wisdom, right? It's a book of collected wisdom. So, if you look on page 129 also of the church manual, these are the nine characteristics of the work of the church board. These things are listed in the church manual as the work that is, is, this is the, if you were saying, what is the job description? How many of you ever wondered, like, what does the church board really do, right? This is their job description. Okay? Number one, active discipleship plan. Number two, evangelism in all its phases. Number three, the spiritual nurture of members. So let me just ask you, does that mean that it would be a good idea for us to actually discuss members at the board meeting? Some people might say, well, that's an invasion of privacy. Do we need to discuss private issues of members there? No. But can we discuss the spiritual nature of our members? And if there's a need for a particular member, can we discuss that at the board? Yes, it's your job to do that. Number four, maintenance of doctrinal purity. If there's, if there's a member that's getting off track, it is the work of the board to discuss a plan to bring them back. And if not, then to take the proper measures. Number five, upholding of Christian standards. I'm telling you, it's the job of the board to, to bring discipline if needed. It's not pleasant, but sometimes it's needed. And the, and the whole purpose of discipline is to uh, restore a person, not to cut them off, but to restore them. Uh, number six, recommending changes in church leadership. So the board acts uh, in, between the, in between the nominating sessions of the nominating committee, when a nominating committee meets and they do their work and they elect officers, and then it goes to the first and second reading of the main body of the church, and that's done, and the work for the nominating committee is done for that term, then that work transfers to who? To the church board. And they serve as the nominating committee in between nominating committee sessions, right? Number seven, oversight of church finances. There we are, Brother Sal. Number... Eight, protection and care of church property. And number nine, coordination of church departments. So if the... Now, now hear me this. If the church board is made up of elders and departmental leaders, and the work of the church board is to coordinate church departments, and the work of the church board is to do evangelism in all of its phases then what do you suppose the primary work of each church department is? Evangelism. Evangelism in all of its phases, yes? So we're going to talk about that also today. Are you with me so far? Now, now when you look at the way that, that the things that your church board discusses, I hope that it falls in the lines of those things. But how many of you does it? How many of your church boards is that really the case? Okay. 
You're going to be amazed at this. Page 129, it says, The Gospel Commission of Jesus tells us that making disciples, which includes baptizing and teaching, is the primary function of the church. It is therefore also the primary function of the board, which serves as the chief committee of the church. When the board devotes its first interests and highest energies to involving every member in proclaiming the good news and making disciples, most problems are alleviated or prevented, and a strong positive influence is felt in the spiritual life and growth of members. Isn't that exciting? How many of you would love to serve on a church board that made those items their chief agenda? Yeah? I mean, this is incredible. It's incredible. Now, uh, moving on, page 131. It says the most important item on the agenda should be planning the evangelization of the outreach or the missionary territory of the church. In addition, now catch this, once each what? Quarter. Quarter, an entire meeting should be devoted for plans for evangelism. Four meetings out of, if you have 12 meetings a year and you're bored, and some often don't meet in July or December, so even 10. But if you had four out of every 10 to 12 meetings per year, the only agenda item is what? It's incredible. How many of you knew this was in the church manual? All right, a few of you, but a few of you didn't. The board will study conference recommendations for evangelistic programs, i.e. Reach Michigan, and methods, how they can be implemented locally. In other words, you may need to make tweaks for your local work. But man, how exciting it would be that every quarter, say every first quarter, first Sabbath of the quarter, whatever, every first board meeting of the quarter, that's our agenda. Like, we're going to even hold the treasurer's report or the school board report until the next month. That's incredible. Number two. Coordinating outreach programs and departments, the church board is responsible for coordinating the work of all the church departments. Each department develops its plans for outreach within its own sphere. This is what we just talked about, right? To avoid conflict in timing and competition in securing volunteers and to achieve maximum results, coordination is essential. We call that, you've heard of it, a master plan for evangelism. That's what it's called, right? Before completing and announcing plans for any program, each department should submit its plans to the board for approval. Master plan of evangelism. We put all those together, and then we make a master plan for the church. The departments also report to the board on the progress and results of their outreach programs. The board may suggest how departmental programs can contribute to the preparation, conduct, and follow-up of a public evangelistic campaign. So what this is insinuating is this. Every department, not just the church itself, but every department of the church should have a what? Plan. They should have a plan for their department. How are we going to reach souls? How are we going to keep track of those souls? What kind of programming can we do that would interest non-Adventists, that could minister to them, that could follow Christ's method? How are we going to reach those people around us? Every department, because every department has a different niche. You see, men's ministry reaches men. Women's ministry reaches women. Pathfinders reaches youth. And we have lots of deacons and deaconesses. Can you, I, even challenge, I challenged when I was a pastor of the Lansing Church, I challenged every one of my departments to win at least one soul that year. And many of them did. They said, man, like 
We never thought about this. We just thought our job was to take care of what? The inside of the church. Not do anything for the outside. And they started getting excited about it. So they started making plans. So every department needs a plan. And every department is looking to the board for guidance because it's made up of peer-led other directors. And then they give reports. But also, if you notice, there are certain ministries that will be done by each department in their particular niche. But then you have all church functions, like what at the end? Public evangelism. Could one department real effectively hold an evangelistic campaign? Oh, they might be able to, but, but not normally. What's it going to take? It's going to take the synergy of every department to come together. So you know what I did in my churches when I had meetings? I'd say, for instance, I'd put the deaconesses in charge of greeting or registration. I'd put the Sabbath school department in charge of, of greeting. I had the elder, elders overseeing the children's ministry, the children's And it was up to the people that already did those jobs in the church to find their team to help. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it's like, this is so powerful just from the church manual. It tells us exactly the structure we need to be mission-focused in our churches. I mean, you can say amen. Yeah? Now watch this. Number three, encouraging the ministry, personal ministries department to enlist all members and children in some form of personal outreach service. What's our, what's our goal for people who are outside of the church? Every person in our community, what do we want to do? We want to reach them for the, with Christ and the truth, right? What's our goal for every person who already knows the truth? To be active in reaching others, right? So our goal out of the church is to reach people for Christ. Our goal in the church is to send people for Christ, right? Does that make sense? So every person in the church, I mean, you can think of that person who comes to church every week, but they're not involved. See? You can think of that person who comes once a month to church twice a month, but they don't do anything else. They're not plugged into any other thing in the church, right? And I challenged my leaders. I said, look, you go to the same people all the time because you know those people and you're comfortable with them. And I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, that's what I would do normally. I go to the people I can count on, right? I said, but I want you to start thinking about this right here. I, I, we read this section in our church board, and I would encourage you. How many of you are church board people? You're on your church board. All right. I would encourage you to go through this with your church board. Go through this section in the manual. It'll probably take you 15 minutes. And I said, I want you to start thinking this way. I said, I want you to start going to people that you see attending church but not doing anything else. And I want you to ask them and invite them to start being involved in your departmental ministries. And you know what happened? Our workforce got larger and larger. I kept reminding them, because that's the pastor's job. It's not to do that stuff. It's to train and equip others to do it and to keep encouraging and pressing and, and keep moving along. That's the pastor's job. Number four, encouraging the interest coordinator to... Yes, sir. 
Yeah, it's always in, I, I always encourage to get visitors involved, but you have to be careful. They can't, they can't, non-members cannot hold church offices, for one. Secondly, um, you have to be careful about giving them leadership roles. Like, I would not have a non-member teach Sabbath school because I don't know what they're, they're going to teach. But, you know, if, if, let's say you're going to do a homeless ministry or a nursing home ministry to invite them to come along and be a part. Maybe like maybe one of your visitors plays guitar. You ask them to come and play guitar or lead a song service or something like that. Those types of things would be great, but I'd be careful about giving them roles of teaching others um, because that's not ideal or any type of uh, formal leadership positions. Okay, yeah. To announce the hymns? Yeah, yeah I think it's fine. Yeah, I think it's fine as long as as long as you know they're not teaching a lesson, or I wouldn't have them preach, you know, that kind of thing. Have them do scripture reading uh, at church, um, you know, those kind of things are great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's a good question. All right, um, encouraging the interest coordinator to ensure that every interest is personally and promptly followed up on by the pastor. Yeah, is that true? What's what is it? What is it that people always do? They bring their friend to the church and they bring them straight where? To the pastor. Or, you know, there's six church members standing around in a corner and there's a visitor over there and they're going, you know, and they're looking at the literature rack and they're, you know, they're checking, and the six members are over there and they're like, where's the pastor? Why isn't he here? He should be coming to greet that person. How I many you know what I'm talking about? No. It says, by the way, your church should have an interest coordinator. What's their job? To coordinate interests. To, to track them. So that every time you have a visitor come to the church, every time you do an event and you have a registration that they sign up for, we have a database of these people. And some people might say, oh, that just seems it. Look, people say, well, we don't, we don't worry about numbers. Well, you should. You should. Because the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one went astray. How did he know he lost? If you look at 99 sheep and a hundred sheep, are you going to know the difference? No. Unless you what? Unless you count them. And there's nothing wrong with understanding who people are. They're not cattle. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not dollar signs. They're souls. And we need to, we need to be careful. Uh, you know, we have to do it with the right spirit, out of love and carefulness and protect confidentiality and all those kind of things. We have to be wise about all that. But at the same time, we want to know who these people are because we want to get to know them. Amen? And so... Let's say visitors come to church and let's say, okay, our board meeting is Monday night and, and, and the interest coordinator says, oh yeah, last Sabbath we had five visitors. Well, what are we going to do with those? We should discuss that where? At the board and at the elders meeting. And we say, okay, uh, so we need somebody to go visit these people this week. Who's going to do it, right? And it doesn't always have to be the board members, but there ought to be a system so that when visitors come, they're promptly followed up on and they're, 
Maybe uh, you go drop by their house and you take them a gift and you take them, you may offer them Bible studies or invite them to come back to a church function. Yes. If it is a board member or an elder that's going, they could take a lay person with them. And that's right. You got it. So we ought to be training our people to do this. And it's not very hard to do. We could talk about that training another time. But number five, encourage each department to report at least quarterly to the board and to members at business meetings or on Sabbath meetings. So what I would always do is I every month of every month of board meeting, we had two departments I would report. And we just rotate through until we got them all, and then we'd just start repeating them. And I'm telling you, when I first started doing this in my church and I became a new pastor, they had never done that before. And people like people from Pathfinders were sharing about the mission projects they were doing on this. And the other board members were like, we just had no idea that all these people were doing all these things. Because it was a large church. It was the Lansing Church. And they started getting even more excited because we understand what's going on in the church. Amen? So it's very, very powerful. Now, uh, then receiving regular reports. I mentioned this. So the board should consider details of church business and receive regular reports. So where... Does that fall on the list, these things? The regular reports are like school board report, clerk report, treasurer's report. Nothing against treasurers. We love treasurers, amen. But where do those things fall on the list? At least lower than the other things. Now notice this. The board should study the membership record and inquire into the spiritual standing of all members and provide for visits to sick, discouraged, or backslidden members. Isn't that interesting? And so at our board meetings, we would discuss members. Oh, you know, Sister Betsy was in the hospital uh, last week, and we want to make sure uh, primarily our deacons and deaconesses would do the sick visits, unless they were serious, and then the pastor or the elders would do. Uh, you know, do we make sure that somebody, does she have meals for this week or whatever she needs? You know, we did all that in the board meetings. And the deaconesses did a lot of that, but I would just ask the deaconess for a report. Is there anything that we need to do from the board's level? Yes or no, and we would move on, right? But we discussed the people's needs and we, that's how we took care of them. That's, that's the place to do it. Make sense? Now, how many of you, is this, is this similar or different than what your, Churches boards operate. Take this back. All you got to do is pull out your church manual and say, we need, a, we need a restructuring of our church board meetings here. Now, don't do it in the right spirit, okay? Be kind and loving and gentle and those kind of things. But, you know, hey, I was reading on the church manual and this is what it says. Maybe we should study this as a church board, right? Oh, you can, because it won't be long. I'm headed to Tennessee, so... You can do it, all right? All right. Now, let's jump to... Let me show you, um, if I can find this real quick, a sample church board agenda, okay? So you notice here the agenda. We have, we have the devotional. How long is it? Not 30 minutes. We had a season of prayer. How long is it? Five minutes. Review the minutes. I even, uh, I even later on, I even put the minutes down below too. Uh, but if anything goes before evangelism, it would be that. Evangelism and mission planning. So we'd review what we've done. We would have reports on updates. 
Um, we would have our interest report, and in the interest report, we would talk about visitors that had come to the church, making sure they had someone to be followed up on. We would talk about people that were preparing for baptism, people that were doing Bible studies. So we would discuss all those things, and we'd give updates. And not that every month, I mean, every month, month to month, typically it's might not always change that much, so we didn't just keep repeating, but if there's any updates, we would give those. Uh, then we would talk about the member care report, which is what we just said, number six there, and the work of the board. Where are there any needs of our members? And we're taking care of the household of faith, amen? And then we'd have departmental reports, and then we'd have our administrative reports, that show the, the clerk report, the, the finance report, uh, finance committee recommendations. We'd have our church calendar review. So every month we would look at the next month. What do we have taking place next month? Make sure everybody's stuff was on there because we would then print that for the church family uh, uh, so that they could have a copy of it every month. And then we would do our new church business right down there at the end. So by the time you get to the end with the stuff that people often argue and fight about, everybody's ready to go home and we don't argue and fight about it. <laughs> Amen? And I would also go through this agenda with my elders the week before. So they knew what was happening. Okay? You know how long my board meetings lasted at the Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church? A church of 780 members. You know how long my board meetings lasted? No longer than an hour and a half. Typically, our average was an hour and 15 minutes. Because we had a church finance report... We had a church finance committee, and I processed things with the elders, and we had a school board that took care of all the school stuff. We don't need to do it because we're a church board. We're not the school board. We get a report from the school, and that's all we need. The, church, the school board can handle its own business, you see. Hour and 15 minutes. So many, Probably about every four to five meetings, we were out of there in an hour. People loved it. And they just loved it. We didn't sit... Because every, every department had their own plan, they had their own budget, and they didn't have to come ask us every time they needed a, a bag of cotton balls for their, for their craft that week. They didn't do because they had a budget, see? You understand how that works. They, all departments have their own budget. So this allowed us to be organized, to be more time efficient, and to be missional focused. And so all the departments were going in the same what? Same direction. And we had them all making their plans, and they had elders who would oversee them. I mean, think this is just great. I, and look, this is not West Pepper stuff. This is church manual stuff. We just said, we're just going to follow the manual. And it organized our church, and it made things flow so smoothly. It's beautiful. People criticize the church manual. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. They hadn't read it. That's right. That's just like Ellen White books. People criticize Ellen White, and it's because they haven't read. All right, now, we are going to... Uh, I'm going to talk to you about another job description. I want you to tell me who it is, okay? But we're going to read this uh, quote here that I think is very powerful. Evangelism, page 381. If the proper instruction were given, if the proper methods were followed, every church member would do his or her work as a member of the body. So every member would be working, yes? He would do Christian missionary work. Now, let me say something here. People sometimes 
sit and wait to see if they're going to be elected as a church officer. And if they're not, then what do they say? Guess I don't need to do anything this year. I mean like... Don't take this the wrong way, but in some ways we ought to be excited not to be elected to the church office because we're like, man, now I can do the real work, Christian missionary work, amen? So I don't have to focus on the stuff. I can focus on... Now, now, you understand what I'm really saying when I say that. I'm not saying like, quit all your church offices or anything. They're important. It's important. But my point is, is that somehow people have it in their minds, many people, that I, there's nothing for me to do if I'm not in some kind of office for the church. And the reality is that the greatest work that needs to be done is by those who are not church officers. That's a greater work because we're out laboring for souls. Notice what she says, but the churches are dying and they want a minister to preach to them. They should be taught to bring a faithful tithe to God that He may strengthen and bless them they should be brought into working order that the breath of God may come to them. Notice it doesn't say that they should put more demands on the pastor, but that they themselves should be brought into working order, right? They should be taught that unless they can stand alone without a minister, they need to be converted anew and baptized anew. They need to be born again. Go to work for souls. Instead of keeping the ministers at work for the churches that already know the truth, let the members of these churches say to the laborers or the ministers, go work for souls that are perishing in darkness. We ourselves will carry forward the services of the church. <laughs> Think about that. We will keep up the meetings and by abiding in Christ will maintain spiritual life. We will work for souls that are around us. So notice they're not just doing the work inside the church, they're also doing the work where? Outside. And we will send our prayers and our gifts to sustain the laborers in more needy and destitute fields. This is exactly what happened in the New Testament. This is exactly what happened in the early Advent movement. In the early Advent movement, we did not have settled pastors. You know what I mean by a settled pastor? A pastor who's assigned two or three churches and he hovers over those churches. But our pastors were more evangelists, and they went from place to place, and they raised up churches just like Paul did, and they trained and equipped leaders to, to work those churches, and then they went on. But then they would continue to come back through, and they gave oversight to the churches, you see. They gave oversight to the churches, and they guided the churches, and they assisted the leadership, but they did not sit and hover and do the work. But what happens now? People, we return our tithe, and many think that, oh, we need a pastor. And let me tell you, we have two churches, many two church districts. And you know what many of those two church districts say? We want our own pastor. They say our church is dwindling because we don't have enough pastoral support because our pastor is always at the other church. We have members even on our own executive committee that say, our churches need their own pastor. That's the problem. And here's what the statistics provide. You go to West McDonald's seminar and you'll hear it more. You buy his book and you'll read about it. In all the places of the world, 
where that, this model of the hovering pastor is practiced, the, the membership goes like this. And all the places where a pastor has 15 or 20 churches and he's doing this work right here, and the members rise up, the membership is going like this. Every time in every place around the world, that's where it's at. It typically comes that uh, in the more uh, first world countries, we have more subtle pastors. And that's what happens to the membership. And so, this is the model that God has for us. So who's going to do that work? Who are the real pastors of the local church? Who is it? It's the elders. Now I want to share with you a job description. We're going to ask the question, whose work is this? It comes right out of the church manual. Okay, So church manual, page 73 to 77. And if you know your church manual well, you'll know what section this is. But don't say it if you know it. All right, I'm going to go through these real quickly. Number one, strong spiritual leader of the church. Number two, leads church into deeper and fuller Christian experience. Conducts church services. Ministers to the people, members and non-members, both in word and doctrine. They are ordained. They can chair church boards and church business meetings. They, they do pastoral work in the church. They visit the members. They minister to the sick. They organize and foster prayer meetings in the church. They lead out at anointing services and child dedications. They encourage the disheartened. They perform other pastoral duties. Exercise constant vigilance over the flock. They are responsible to and answer to the church board. They lead and conduct communion services. They can clear candidates for baptism and baptize those who are ready. They give premarital counseling and perform marriages and they encourage members to return a faithful tithe. They assist and instruct members in Bible study and prayer, support all ministries and programs of the local church to enhance mission work of each of those ministries. They lead and foster missional work of all the departments in the local church. They meet regularly with and coordinate with the other leaders of the church. They cooperate with the conference and departmental directors to carry out approved plans, they keep the church informed of all regular and special offerings, as well as programs and activities of the church, and they make sure the treasurer and clerk reports are in order. They oversee the selection of delegates to conference constituency meetings. They study the worldwide work and encourage members to personally support global mission work through their offerings and so forth. And they personally lead outreach activity if no other help is available. 30 job descriptions right from the church manual. And who does that sound like? Hmm? Yeah, but who typically? But whose job is it really? It is the work of the local elder. Yes. Let me, let me, let me, yes. Everybody always asks that question. Somebody always asks that. With permission from the conference. An ordained elder can baptize in his local church only if the pastor is not there. And you can do everything in a wedding except legally by the state pronounce the, the uh, man and wife and sign the paper. But an elder can perform the entire service and then you have to have an ordained minister licensed by the state to step in and make that proclamation. But they can still do the wedding. So it doesn't necessarily mean that if the pastor's there, 
he, sh he should do it. They can still do it even with the pastor there, but they should not be going off on their own doing everything. They should have regular communication with the pastor, and the pastor should be giving oversight to that. But the fact is that a local elder can do almost every job that the pastor does. See, the difference between an ordained pastor and an ordained elder is the ordained elder has the authority to do those things locally in their church. The pastor has the authority to do them globally in any capacity around the world. Um, and so, but many, I mean, many times I would, have, I would rotate my elders and I would have them lead the communion services and I would assist them because I was training them. I would have them chair board meetings and I would sit beside them and they would be the chairman. Um, I would have them lead at times business meetings. They led business meetings. Uh, one, one time I was on vacation and uh, we had a member that died and it was a semi-prominent member and I, I had had a, a certain thing scheduled with my family that it was hard to leave and they said, well, Pastor, are you going to come home from your vacation? I said, why would I do that? At that time I said, I have 12 elders in my church, 12 assistant pastors in the Lansing Church. I said, why would I need to come home? I said, I'll send you some notes and one of you do it. And by golly, they did it. They did the funeral service, and that's what they're there for, you see. We have come to the place where we think our elders are merely platform chairmen, when really they are assistant pastors of that church. That's what they are. And, we, and that's why the ministerial department has gotten very serious about training and equipping our elders to be what God wants them to be. In fact, we just finished about a 15-part series of videos. You'll be seeing them come out before too long. And each video is between 8 and 15 minutes apiece and uh, training in these areas. And so you're going to see those. And, and we need a return to this type of a thing, you understand? And that will allow our ministers to not have to do all that work for the local church. And they can go over here and start working for lost souls where there is no church. And these people, the elders can organize the members to win the souls around the church. And then the pastor keeps checking in with them. How's it going? How are things taking place, etc. Does that make sense? I mean, that's very, very important. How you can see this. So you see, I mean, if, if a person were to accept the role of an elder, like that job, if, if it's done seriously in the way that it should be, like they don't have a lot of time for, you know, just dilly-dallying around with life. I mean, it's a serious call. It's a serious thing, and they're committed to that. And uh, it's very important that we understand that. All right, so um, I want you to see this here. Uh, Ellen White talks about this interesting example of the pastor being the one that does everything. And this is why I'm teaching this class in the context of Grow Michigan, because you are going back to your churches, and if Reach Michigan is really going to take off, our churches have to begin to adopt these principles in the very structure. You can't have individual people just running out doing this and that while the whole structure of the church is designed to counter that work, you understand? We have to start that thing from the ground up and build our organizational structure with mission in mind, see? All right, so this is what he, she says. 
In some respects, the pastor occupies a position similar to that of the foreman of a gang of laboring men or the captain of a ship's crew. They are expected to see that the men over whom they are set do the work assigned to them correctly and promptly, and only in case of emergency are they to execute in detail. The captain. So the pastor is not the one having to go in and do this and that. He's standing back and he is the one that's coordinating the work. But who's actually doing the work? It's the crew. It's the members. Yes? So let me just explain to you. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's keep going. So she gives this example. She says, the owner of a large mill once found his superintendent in a wheel pit making some simple repairs while a half dozen workmen in that line were standing by idly looking on. The proprietor, after learning the facts so as to be sure that no injustice was done, called the foreman to his office and handed him his discharge with full pay. In surprise, the foreman asked for an explanation. It was given in these words. I employed you to keep six men at work. I found the six idle and you doing the work of but one. Your work could have been, easily, could have been done just as well by any one of the six. I cannot afford to pay the wages of seven for you to teach six how to be idle. So when the pastor is doing all the work in the church and the members are sitting around idle, bringing more work for the pastor to do, that's what's happening. And what happens to that pastor? Shame, because he's called to keep the others at work. And that's what your pastor's called to do, to keep all of the members at work. He's the organizer. He's the trainer. He's the equipper. She, uh, she goes on, this incident may be applicable in some cases and in others not, but many pastors fail in not knowing how or in not trying to get the full membership of the work actively engaged in the various departments of church work. So you see, it's the work of the pastor, but it's also, as we saw, the work of who? The board. To ensure the personal ministries department ensures that those people are working. So let's, in our last eight minutes or so, let's talk a little bit about church departments now. Okay, church departments. So you have the church board, you have the elders, and then you have the departments. And so from the manual, it says, Church structure under the guidance of the Holy Spirit is vital for the spiritual growth of members and for the fulfillment of the church's mission. So is church structure important? Yes or no? But the right kind of church structure is vitally important. It is the skeleton of the ecclesiastical body. And then it quotes there Ephesians 4.16. I won't read for time's sake. The work of the departments and auxiliary organizations is closely tied to the work of the pastor because, notice this, all are equally engaged in gospel what? Outreach. So the departments of the church, every department, the deacons, the deaconesses, the elders, the church school, the health ministries, every department of the church should be engaged not just in the membership, but in the community, right? The pastor serves as a counselor to these organizations, and they in turn assist in the overall church outreach programs. So if a church has 
an organ, a, a public evangelistic meeting, right? Then all of the departments on the all church outreaches are rallying together to accomplish that thing. Does that make sense? But in between the all church outreaches, what are they doing? They're functioning as independent wheels, and I should say individual wheels, not independent. They're functioning within the bigger wheel and they're keeping that big wheel spinning. Does that make sense? Okay. Every church should utilize the services of the departments and organizations to nurture its members and accomplish the mission given by Christ. So, the individual departments have the same mission and function as a church board. They are subunits that should plan for and carry out soul winning in the departments, recruit members to carry out their plans, and join the church for united evangelistic efforts. So, what about the, the church departments? They work under the guidance of the board, and they have oversight by an assigned elder who reports to the pastor. Now, I'm going to talk about that for just a little, for just a couple minutes here. Um, notice, ah, I can't get this thing to back up sometimes. There we go. So, in every church, it doesn't matter if it's big or small, all of the departments, let's say you have 10 departments in, in your church. In a small church, one person might be overseeing four of those departments. True or false? <laughs> yeah. And in small churches, you might have one elder. True or false? It doesn't matter how big or how small the church is. At Lansing, I had, you know, we had like, I don't know, 20 departments or something. It was a huge church, a big ship to be sailing. We had 12 elders. So each elder had like two departments that he would oversee. You might have a church of 10 people with one elder and only five members doing something. Well, then in that case, that elder is going to oversee what? Those five. See, So it doesn't matter how big or small it is, the principle works the same. So the elder is overseeing those departments and he's assisting those departments. He's not running the department because you have a departmental leader. He's overseeing. So he's helping them to form their plans. He's helping them to execute their plans. He's assisting them. Does that make sense? When that departmental leader needs something, instead of going to the pastor, who do they go to? They go to the elder. And then if the elder can help them, great. If he can't, he might bring that request to the board of elders, or he might go to the pastor, right? So in my, in my Lansing church, I would have sometimes the departmental directors would come to me about an issue, and I would say to them, have you had an opportunity yet to talk to your overseeing elder? And they're like, no, pastor, I haven't done that. Well, let me encourage you to go to them. And I would say to them, I would assure them, I said, it's not because I don't want to talk to you or help you, but we're trying to train and equip leaders. And we want the leaders to grow. And if everybody comes to me, then nobody's growing, see? And we want to build that structure. And they're like, yeah, I know, Pastor, I'll do that. And so they would go back, and sometimes the elder didn't know what to do, so he'd bring it to the elders' meeting, and he'd say, this department is doing this, and we'd discuss it as elders, then we'd give an answer, and the elder would take it back to that leader. So if you have one elder and five people, then everybody comes to the one elder. 
and then he'll talk with the pastor. It doesn't mean the departmental leaders can't ever talk to the pastor, but you understand what we're trying to do here. It's building a structure, not a hierarchy, but a structure. Okay? So, the elders, according to the manual, the elders are spiritual leaders of the church and are responsible for fostering all departments and activities of the work. So whose job is it to oversee the departments? It's the elders, you see. And they're the ones doing that work, helping and assisting them in their mission. So the elder should understand the mission and work of the board and make plans that, I'm sorry, the department should understand the mission and work of the board and make plans that contribute to the master plan of the church. You see that? So this is kind of how it functions. You have the church board, and then you have elders that are on the board, and each of the elders will oversee the departments, and that allows us to foster that missional structure so that everybody is on the same page, moving in the same direction. Isn't that beautiful? It's not that complicated, is it? Not complicated at all. So the department should also be committed to mission and not only nurturing members. Nurturing members is important, but can be done in the context of mission. So when we have women's ministry events, we're not just simply thinking about how can we get our women together to have a nice girls' night, right? We should be thinking, let's have a nice girls' night, but let's also have each lady invite a non-Adventist lady to come to that, and let's build that thing, you see? And then uh, our plan should include the phases of the growth cycle. So this last piece, and then we'll be, and then we'll be done. I want you to see this. Oops. Nope. Let's go back right here. So every time a department may hold an event, let's say that the women's ministry is going to hold a little craft night, and you're going to invite some non-Adventist women to come. These things can be there, these five elements can be there for every event or gathering you have. So let's say we go to Wilma's house and Wilma's going to host us and we're going to have some food and we're going to invite some ladies to come. Well, we're going to have some gift books. So every lady gets a gift book, right? Even you give it to the members too because you don't want to single people out. They may have 10 of them at home, but they get another one, right? And so they get a gift. We're so glad you came tonight. We just want to give you this little gift book. So it's a piece of literature in their hand. Secondly, <clears throat> you can mention, you know, we always mention this and, and we'll do a Bible study here. But if you're interested in more Bible study, we, we know a lot of you are visiting with us tonight. We have this amazing free Bible study course. If you're interested, talk to the person who brought you here and we'll be glad to get that to you. What was that? 15 seconds? You can just say that. You can have a sample of the Bible studies there. See? Very simple to do. Thirdly, I'm going to know who came to that meeting. We're going to say, hey, let's get your names so that way when we do this again, we can let you know when we're going to do it. So I get their names and their addresses and their phone numbers. I give that to the interest coordinator. The interest coordinator puts it in the database. Right? Number four, I'm going to follow up with a phone call or a card or just stopping in to see that person. Hey, so glad you came this week. We have something else. We have a concert coming up next weekend, and I'd love to invite you to this concert, right? And so those five elements will make all the difference whenever your departments are doing something that includes non-Adventists. Those five little elements right there, 
literature, Bible study offers, making sure you know who's there, following up with them in some way, and then inviting them to something new. How do you can say amen to that? So if our departments are all doing this, I mean, look, listen to this. I mean, imagine if you have five departments in your church. you got ten people attending your church, and you got five departments, and every little department won one soul. You've just increased your church without doing any evangelism, any anything by five people. You just increase your church by one-third. Is it a possibility to do that? Sure it is. Very possible. So now you see how important it is that our church boards function the way that they were designed to function. Yes? You don't even need my notes. You just take the church manual and go back and read it. Now you know how you're, to some level how the church departments ought to run. They ought to be evangelistically minded. And thirdly, you understand that our elders are really what? They're really assistant pastors. And they have a job to do. All of the, what I shared with you today is right there in the church manual. And we've deviated from it because nobody likes to read it anymore, right? But it's a fascinating book. And it would help get us right back on target where we need to be as we were before when we were an Advent movement. Now we're an Advent settlement, it seems like. But we need to return to being an Advent what? How do you want to be a part of that? Amen? All right. So tomorrow we're going to talk about how to reach missing members. And so I'll have a strategic plan for you to show you how to do that. Very simple, very easy to do. You can take all that back to your church and begin those ministries. And uh, again, gently moving your boards and other things towards this. But uh, God bless you. Let's have prayer together. Father in heaven, we count it a joy and privilege to be a part of this great Advent movement. And Lord, throughout the years, in various ways, we've gotten off track. I, I don't have all the answers. I'm not always on track. But Lord, You've given us guidance. You've given us spirit of prophecy. You've given us the Bible. And You've given us the church manual, which is compiled by many wise leaders around the world who have studied these things. And it's not an inspired document, but it is an educational document. And it's helpful to us. So bless us, we pray. Help us to be organized. Help us to be faithful. Help us to stay focused because we only have so much time and energy in life. So help us do the right thing the right way so that we can have the right results. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.